This podcast is sponsored by Bruntwood, supporting independent food and drink businesses in the Northwest and beyond. Hello, I'm Matt White, and this is Fodder, the food and drink podcast for Greater Manchester. In this episode, we're exploring the Manchester food and drink destination, Hatch. Every now and again, there's a new place that opens in Manchester that just fits. It captures the imagination of the city and gets people talking. It creates a buzz and becomes the place to be. And Hatch is just that place. Now, in case you don't know, Hatch is a food and drink retail space on Oxford Road, just up from the old BBC. There's an open-air courtyard, the shops, there's roof terraces, and obviously plenty of food and drink, all tucked underneath the Mancunian Way. Now, during this podcast, you're going to meet some of the traders and discover some of Hatch's highlights. The day I went down, there was an open mic night going on on the stage, bang in the middle of the complex. Now, I began my visit with chatting with Tony Martin. Tony Martin is the general manager for Hatch and actually Aflex in the Northern Quarter. So he's a very busy man. We're just getting set up now for Izzy Walsh. She's a local musician that's got an open mic night tonight. It's just... A really, really cool space, isn't it? It's it's one of these spaces we think, well, why hasn't Manchester had this before? In terms of independent retail and opportunities to independent food and beverage traders, there's never been those opportunities there. Obviously, we look after Afflex as well, uh, which is more of an indoor market, and we found that there was a gap for independent traders to... Um, you know, go from being on a market stall to actually physically getting their own front door without going on the high street where the rents are quite expensive. So we feel by introducing Hatch, we're giving these opportunities to take that next step, not just for retail, but for food and beverage traders as well, that again would have started off on uh, street food markets. And do you help people through the process? Because I've spoken to people that have only ever been doing this since they came here which was like three weeks ago they're new to the whole thing do you like me- not mentor them but do you guide them through and help them with the different we do we're, we're a community here so um not only the support they get from the on-site team and obviously the backing of bruntwood but as independent businesses are all learning from one another as well uh, we have regular meetings regular forum meetings where we share ideas on what we can do moving forward in terms of collaborations and getting people working together on events so it's really it's really got that community buzz about the place and I think visitors get the get that sense as well when they uh, when they come here and what does the future hold is this as big as it's going to get now is the room for more no there's definitely room for more as you can see beyond there where this car parking space is there's lots of opportunities where we can expand further back uh, and I'm sure that will happen what I love is whenever I talk about Hatch, and I'm an advocate of Hatch, I'll shout about it to anyone that'll listen. I say, yes, under the Mancunian Way. And they go, under the Mancunian Way? I mean, I think people expect it to be really noisy, but we are literally now, our heads are almost at the top, and you, you can't hear it, can you? No, you can't hear anything. It's, it's amazing when you, you stood here on one of the terraces and knowing you know, the amount of traffic that's going, going yeah. above, and it just doesn't interfere with the music or when the acoustic performers are playing later on it's, it's great even when we have um, spoken word or comedy nights it's just it's just great hello hatch i'm izzy we're just doing a quick little sound check Honey, you've been so 
Now, one of the key features here at Hatch is a great big blue double-decker bus bang in the middle. It's called Hanoi 75. And there's uh, like a hatch at the front where you can buy your stuff, your Vietnamese food. And then if you go inside the bus, I'm just stepping on now, past the old driver's seat and steering wheel, kitchen down at the bottom. And if you go upstairs, wow, look at this, hello. Uh, so, waiting for me patiently with a can of cloudy lemonade <laughs> is Kat. Cat, uh, you are the owner, proprietor. Yes. What would you I, call yourself? Oh, I don't know. There's so many fun names. I'll go with creative director. Creative director? <laughs> okay, yeah. Why not? Um, um, so, how did it happen, Kat, that mm. you ended up with a great big blue double-decker bus? Well, it wasn't blue when I bought it. Um, no, I found it on eBay and basically... I'd been looking for about a year whilst living in Vietnam still and found loads that I really liked and shopped around a bit and then realised what was really important was not to get a bus that looked really good but to get a bus that started. Okay, because you need to get it back from where you buy it from. Exactly, that's quite key. So I found one with an MOT and all the paperwork and everything up to date and I went down to Peterborough, bought it and uh, hired a driver, drove it back to Manchester and started converting it from day one. So so it's called Hanoi 75 and the reason I wanted to do Hanoi rather than like another city in Vietnam is because I lived there for two and a half years. I literally, I love everything about Hanoi. It's a mixture of so many different like times of culture. You've got the Chinese imperialism, the French colonialism, the Vietnamese modernism, like it's just a mismatch of loads of beautiful things. And that is what I wanted to do with the bus. I want to make it like a cafe you would go to in Hanoi that looks like this. Like all this material is from Hanoi, all tailored by my favorite tailor. Describe what we're looking at. Describe the aesthetic if you can. Okay, so it's kind of tropical, a bit chic, a bit funky. There's a lot of sort of plants and ivy and lanterns and, you know, over there we've got the indigo pattern pillows that are made by women in Sapa in the hill tribes. Like, like even these curtains, like these, you would see these in a cafe in Hanoi, like this, this sort of khaki material. It's very like, I mean, it, it's sort of like old new, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. And you've got the wicker chairs and... The wicker chairs look great and the tables and there's... Right, like wooden floor in and you've all got all the wood salvaged is it recycled apart from the floor which is laminate all the wood has been recycled from scaffolding boards and pallets did you enjoy the process yes it was painful but yeah there amazing. was a slight pause there before <laughs> yeah, the yes there was there were a lot of days where i cried <laughs> keep it like huh? yeah sorry. <laughs> stop piers morgan's life stories <laughs> Um, so uh, when I listen to you and I've been hearing you talk about the food that you were eating out in Hanoi you're so clearly in love with it do you feel like you're close to recreating what you would get out of it? I would say it's very very difficult to say that you're authentic when you cannot get the same ingredients in England or the same freshness of ingredients the banh mi itself which is what I specialise in. Just talk us through what that is. So banh mi is a, it's a Vietnamese sandwich which you would get on the side of the road throughout the entire country. Its quintessential ingredient is fresh baked bread, which is delivered daily by a woman on a bicycle and she'll give it to all the cafes and all the street vendors. 
Now, getting that bread here was near impossible because they use a yeast conditioner in Vietnam that they you can't get in places like England. It's okay. specific to Asia. Um, so that was really difficult, and finding a bread supply was really difficult. But what I've done now is, I would say, a good fusion because I've got a bit of tiger bread on top. It's fresh daily, so it's squishy, it's crunchy, like Vietnamese bread. And I've still got the same ingredients, but done slightly differently. And one of the dishes, which is actually the most popular now, is the pho reel, which is influenced by pho, which everyone knows is like the mm-hmm. typical Vietnamese noodle soup. But it's not pho. It's beef brisket cooked in a pho recipe over nine hours. Ooh. So you still have the same long process that you would have with a stock. But instead of using a noodle soup with a stock, it's brisket in a banh mi. That was Kat at Hanoi 75, and I don't need to tell you whereabouts they are at Hatch, because as soon as you get there, you cannot miss that great, big, massive bus. There's obviously lots of choices to get a drink at Hatch as well. There's Beer Box, which is kind of like an offie, where not only do they sell their own beers, but they do a great range of cascales and lagers from all around the world. There's Electric Box, which is the pop-up version of Chalton's Electric, owned by the Unabombers. It's a really cool little space with arcade games, darts, and a mega jukebox. And there's also Number 8, which has been described as being like a summer garden cocktail bar. It's got its own roof terrace and it's run by James Ince. Our menu is based around eight cocktails, eight mocktails and eight different wines. Now our menu is taken from all over the place. We uh, created the menu based on things that we love, things that are current and interesting. Um, fresh flavours, sort of craft producers predominantly, uh, fresh produce and just quirky takes on different sorts of cocktails. Honestly, this place is great, but I'd have been an absolute idiot if I'd have been there and didn't ask for a cocktail. We could suggest our cocktail of the week, which is an all English Negroni, um, brought to you by Sacred Spirits, who are, like I mentioned earlier, our house pour. So three very simple ingredients, spiced vermouth, by Sacred, Rosehip Cup, also by Sacred, and Sacred Gin all mixed together with some ice and okay, lemon. Okay, man, let's do this. And Negroni's still uh, kind of the cool drink at the moment because it was a time when they were pretty hip, wasn't it? Um, it's still very popular. Yeah. I mean, we've had that up on the board for about four days now and we have sold reams and reams of them. So, yeah, very popular despite the sort of acquired taste that goes with them. Um, while you do that, are the cocktail trends ever-changing? Is it hard to keep up? Um, it can be. I think at one time there was quite a big lean towards all the molecular sort of part of it, all the smoke cannons yeah, and all the fancy test tubes. Yeah, you don't see so much of anymore, do you? Um, I welcome that, to be honest, because I always had them down as a bit too stuffy, a bit too... A bit gimmicky. A bit gimmicky. Believe their own hype a little bit too much. They're a bit too serious, I think, with this whole... What we're going for here is a bit more playful, a bit more fun, a bit more welcoming... And that's what we're that's what we're trying to achieve at least. I, I've experienced this myself, so and I've always likened it to going to I collect vinyl. But when I was younger going into a record shop could be quite an intimidating thing. It was daunting and often the guys selling them were a, a bit too cool and if you didn't know about a certain B side then you, you weren't you weren't part of that crowd. Absolutely. And and cocktail bars were a little bit like that, or some of them. Some of them were, I completely agree. You go in, you might ask for a certain spirit, say I mean I've got Diplomatico in front of me, a really nice room. 
Um, obviously, it is a nice rum, and people say, oh, it's only for sipping. But I mean, what if you do want to mix it with something? Who are they to tell you that you can't do it? And that's the sort of thing which used to annoy me a little bit. So I think now it should, should be freedom, a bit of creativity to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And if it tastes good and if you're paying for it, then why would should it? not be that Absolutely. way. Absolutely. And that, that feels to me like it's almost in keeping with the philosophy of Hatch and what we've got here, that everything that I've experienced so far just seems really laid back. And I don't mean the service is laid back, the service is bang on, but just the vibe, the attitude, it's yeah. just, it seems like a cool place to be. It is a cool place to be. Now, I couldn't speak highly of it enough, to be honest, from the moment that James Tootle came down to visit us in London to sort of share his vision for the place we have been absolutely hooked with it and like even seeing the original incarnation behind just behind us in the main terri- uh, in the main courtyard uh, and then just this expansion under the under the Mancunian way oh, which I mean, is it's huge now it's absolutely massive and really atmospheric i mean you've got the big brutalist concrete structure there which has no right to look quite as good as it does <laughs> has no right whatsoever but it does look great with all the lighting with the fit out sort of the money spent on it they've done top job on it to be honest. I think it's hard to describe because you know we're underneath the motorway yeah we're underneath <laughs> the Mancunian way which doesn't sound like the most appealing thing it doesn't but, but you, you forget it you don't realize once you're here do you you don't you completely forget apart from when you go up on, our, on one of the terraces you occasionally hear a car driving past apart from that you could be anywhere in the world especially when the sun comes out especially when you've got a cocktail in your hand and the music playing so yeah it's great absolutely so here is your Negroni okay <laughs> man are these ready to drink? Ready to drink. Nice glasses as well. Cheers, my friend. Much. Cheers. James there from number eight. If you're going to go down to Hatch and get a drink, make sure you go and say hello. The choice for food at Hatch is vast. I mean, there's loads. But one place I made sure I did visit was Meze. This is run by a father and daughter team. They've got a passion for Cypriot food. Described as being a place where Turkish meets Greek, this was right up my street. So I asked Charlotte, the daughter of the team, to suggest what I should be eating. So I'd probably say our lamb um, and tzatziki flatbreads are amazing. Um, We marinate all our our lamb in-house, our tzatziki, all our sauces are all made in-house as well. Even our chilli sauce and garlic mayo and chilli jam, it's all made in-house. So there's a lot of variety, but the flatbreads are amazing. Charlotte, when I'm talking to you, when you talk about food, yeah. I can see your little eyes light up. There's, there's, there's clearly a passion there. Do you know where this has come from? When did you first discover that you oh, had something God. about food? When I was little, my dad worked in kitchens and always had two jobs. And he would work sort of almost 18, 19 hours a day, but he would never miss dinner. Dinner was always a massive celebration in our household. We'd come around the table um, and we'd come together. The whole family would be together at dinner times. And I would sit, he, t- he, he used to teach me what each of the herbs tasted like so I could recognise what different herbs were in food. And that was what inspired Meze. It's what inspired the name because Meze is about bringing people together and eating socially. So, yeah. Uh, definitely that social element of eating uh, which is why we've got the platters on our menu and the picnics bringing people together and real home cooking so Cypriot Mediterranean grilled meats fresh salads halloumi hummus that's what really gets me excited I've just got a glimpse of your dad as he's slaving behind that counter there he just sort of looks over as if to say why is she sat down there <laughs> chatting away I know uh, yeah he's um, he's busy preparing our um, falafel he, we do it every day fresh so that's what he's doing at the minute getting all the coriander and chickpeas blended up uh, for homemade falafel 
What do you think about this space as, as Hatch overall? Because it's massive now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Do you know what? We came into this really excited and keen to get started, but also unsure. Absolutely no idea what it would bring. And we've been blown away. Absolutely blown away. We have got so much support from all the Hatch team, for all these events that they plan for us. And also the new site, the, the new development, which opened last week, it's got all the um, sort of... The, the, the shops it's actually becoming quite a commercial like little centre like almost like, well it is an urban village it's great we love it uh, oh sorry thank you very much cheers look they've just brought over some food <laughs> just as we've been talking and it is the chicken and alumi wrap yeah we knew yeah we did know right so is it rude if I try this one no of course go for it okay I'm going to go in Charlotte is it good <laughs> you know it's good look at it you know you got that is really good Really juicy, moist chicken. That halloumi's got a little bit of a crisp to it on the yeah. outside as well. Do you know what? Well, I can say this with absolute confidence. I'm coming back to Meze. Oh, yay! We're so happy. That's what it's all about, getting smiles on people's faces when they try our food. And I tell you what, I was smiling. I can absolutely assure you. You're going to find loads of cool things to do at Hatch as well. There's something called Sneaker Farm, which is Manchester's first ever drop-off shoe cleaning boutique. You can take your trainers in. I, I've seen before and after pics. You take your trainers in, leave them with them. They'll get those bad boys looking like new. And also, there's a DJ gym where you can go in and have one-to-one -one lessons and learn how to be a DJ. And if ice cream's your thing, then let me tell you about this. There's something called the Ice Alchemists. Now, you're going to love this place. You may have seen it somewhere before, or this could be the first time you've ever heard of it, but it's effectively ice cream made right in front of you on what looks like a giant frying pan, but cold, obviously. They basically chop the ingredients out in front of you, pour on the cream, and then as if by magic, ice cream. It's not only nice to eat, you know, but also it's pretty good just to watch. Here's owner Becky and Tasha show me how it's done. So Tasha's put the fresh banana onto the plate. She's poured over the ice cream. And that what you can hear is her cutting all those ingredients together on the frozen plate. And you've got to move quick because that cream is, is freezing before my very eyes. It is, it is. It's literally turning into ice cream. Banana ice cream at the moment. And it's been chopped up. And is that just to chop the banana or is that to give the cream a certain... A bit of both. You want to get some air into the cream um, so it's a little bit like being churned. But also, you want to cut up whatever ingredient it is to make sure that it's fully dispersed throughout the ice cream so every mouthful has the same flavour. How long does this take to go from cream in a jar to actual what we would recognise as ice cream? Less than two minutes. Wow. Yeah. So this is, is a very aesthetic lead food, isn't it? It absolutely is. We eat with our eyes. Um, and because you can't actually see the product before you buy it, I think engaging the customer with the, like, immerse, immerse Immersing them, immersing, in, yeah, yeah, immersing them in, into the making of it and, and getting them there with you. I think those little extra touches just to make it as beautiful as it tastes are really important. So this is the magic of it, and this is where the things that are definitely not wallpaper scrapers <laughs> look more like wallpaper scrapers because you're literally scraping the ice cream off the pan. And as that happens, they turn into beautiful ice cream rolls. And a lot of people think, when they've never seen or heard about ice cream rolls before, that ice cream rolls are a bit like an Alaska 
or an Arctic roll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as you can see, ice cream rolls. The, the mod. This is the modern take on a, an ice cream roll, and they're nothing like that. So there's what? Other than the rolling. Five rolls, and they've kind of gone into a pot. It almost looks like a little bouquet of flowers. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So they're all being put in the tub side by side. What that banging noise is? Tasha's lifting the tub up and down just to oh, get them all in there. Cream on top as well. Cream on this. top, toffee sauce to finish, and then um, some of the gin liqueur drizzled over the top. That's the ice alchemists and the different flavours of ice creams they do. Honestly, incredible. They do a vegan option as well, so go and get some. So that's it for this episode of Fodder. If you haven't been to Hatch yet, I really don't know what you're waiting for. Get down there now. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.